You're listening to Two Beers Until Phrenesis, a philosophy podcast for students, graduates, and anyone else interested in ideas. Alongside regular guests and friends, we discuss some of life's big questions over a few beers. Enjoy. Sport. Yeah, we've done this before. Uh, but when we recorded this episode last time, which was probably about six months ago, um, we had the wrong mic on. Not not our <laughs> not our greatest moment. So uh, if we're going to try and do this again, it's probably floating around in the ether somewhere. It's just like <sighs> floating through walls, stone tape theory, something. It's just <laughs> it's a recorded ghost replay, and it will just like come out to haunt us at some point. Yeah, but... you can pick up the old recording on ESP, <laughs> like that fucking that's... ESPN. <laughs> uh, right, so. You're an athlete, aren't you? Um, yes, I describe myself as uh, someone who participates in a sport. Mm. Mm. How long have you been doing that? Um, track and field athletics, a bit mainly the track side, uh, about four years now, about four years. Yeah, and, you, and you've always been kind of clued in with sport, and I'd say I haven't. Um, for a large part of my life, I probably uh, vehemently disliked it. I mean, it's not really true because there there've always been sports I've enjoyed, but they've tended not to be the very competitive ones. But then, you know, I, I've I've been you know running around Camden trying to find a pub open so I can watch the the boxing. And then when you finally get into a pub and it's crowded and the, the atmosphere, it's fun. You know, I've been to football matches and actually enjoyed it a lot. So um, I'd say, and especially since re- researching for this podcast six months ago and um, just very recently. I think I've kind of come to realise that there's a lot more to sport than the kind of people that say they hate sport uh, would think. Um, so, first of all, do you know like the history of like the Olympics? I think we touched on it last time. Yes, kind of the kind of the ancient classic Olympics. Yeah, yeah. So, ancient Greece is kind of like this Hellenistic uh, idea that to to be a good sportsman was also part of being a sort of a all round good person you're an ambassador really yeah it's like you were you were this great even like the great philosophers would show off uh, their wrestling skills like socrates was was a wrestler and plato was a wrestler they all used to fight each other and stuff uh which is pretty cool um of course this all fell out of favor in um christianity because part of what they used to do in in the Olympics was uh, to sort of idolise, yeah, um, worship the, their hero, they yeah. worship the Greek hero, false deity, and so they were. Yeah, it was a um, idolisation of the human form of, of actual people as well, and more than that, um, Zeus. They were usually in honour of Zeus, mm. so you can see how, why sport kind of fell out of favour. Are we so vain? <laughs> like when you and you think of Christian attitudes to sport throughout the age you've got the puritans who like banned football um and you know, things like football weren't are relatively new really yeah like a lot of sport is is quite new and when sport and i suppose philosophy kind of came back in the 18th century ish when we when it, everything really started to pick up again um they weren't seen as congruent they weren't seen as as sort of something you'd put together no, even something like football you mentioned, um, although it's of, of, you know, internationally seen as either association football or soccer in the in the Americas. Um, yeah, it was a very classical version. You know, it, was, it was banned for quite a long time, where effectively two neighbouring villages would uh, pick up, you know, a big, you know, pigs. Well, 
object and uh, which kind of run through villages. And the aim is simply was just to get the ball into the uh, opposing neighbor's territory village, really, and at any means possible. The only foul play could, uh, the only way you could be penalised would be if a player was to die somehow in the right. process. But through, <laughs> other than that, through any means, you could score a goal as such. And, you know, and the games could last, you know, about anything from a few hours to a couple of days to a week sometimes so and uh apparently there is still a, a version of this today somewhere in, in derbyshire i do believe of the you, original old rules you um reminded me of um how the the triathlon started and i've completely forgotten last time now yeah. on the very end just before we realized the microphone wasn't recording ah yes um uh, the running so a marathon oh yeah as such it was um classically uh, a message was delivered and upon running a distance, which was measured to be in the end, 26.2 miles. That's where we have right. a point to there. Uh, the messenger dropped uh, dead. Apparently, so there you go. Oh, Exc- right, exercise is bad for you. You've heard that <laughs> live there, ladies and gentlemen. Do not do X, do not participate in sport or exercise. And uh, yeah, poor citation. I, I, I can't remember which was the you know original town. I can't remember the name of the messenger, really. So, Was there a town called Marathon? There was a Marathon, was there... I think yeah, sorry, marathon was the outgoing. Oh, yeah. I yeah, I mean, to check on this. That's, that's a fr- yeah. <laughs> you don't come to us for facts. No, so um, no science here. Yeah, so uh, this idea of athletics back in the classical period, it, it used to kind of reflect a, a sense of leadership, but also a leadership of oneself, like a sort of self-discipline. And I think I was asking you about this last time, um, so I'm going to ask you again. Do you think in doing the athletics, you've kind of got a sense of self-discipline like you've come to know you know what you can achieve and stuff like that yeah absolutely and there's a fine balance to kind of realism of what you can achieve based on the things like like knowing your your genetic disposition or you know kind of um you know abilities to kind of just through trial and error practicing what you can do in certain sports and particularly with athletics you know the whole lifestyle uh, comes with this so you know aiming for you know the kind of you know the old cliche of seven to eight hours of sleep every night things you know your diet you know balanced diet enough um enough rest hydration but the the physical exercise itself kind of a whole sort of volume versus times intensity factor as well that's not often often looked at because you could you can quite often uh you can walk for ages you can burn quite a lot of body fat doing this but if there's no intensity to it you won't progress to the uh to the next level your body kind of plateaus apparently after about a six week period from just doing the same exercise so there's got to be some intensity to it but there's also got to be a certain degree of volume do you ever completely like burn out um have you ever just pushed yourself too hard uh yes yeah um not not every session by any means um any of the kind of the technical elements you know you want to be i'd say 100 percent condition really to execute the you know the sprint correct sprinting form yeah but there are some kind of um particularly with something like um with sprinting you get a lot of like lactic acid that's produced the byproduct and it can make you quite feel quite nauseic as such and that is effectively yeah from from the reaction of uh your physical exertion oh. and there are some efforts you, you will try and attempt till failure ultimately and that's how you just well teach your body to acclimatize yeah and i guess knowing yourself like like very specifically in that in that physical sense kind of leads you on to other things once it's like if you can control 
one aspect of yourself in terms of how far you can push your body, knowing your limits and everything and knowing why I think that opens up a lot of, it makes, makes you more aware generally of, of everything. I mean, I'm speaking as someone who doesn't fucking exercise as uh, anywhere near as much as they should, but yeah, I think, I think the people I know that do exercise and I, I, I intend basically to do a lot of podcasts on this. Um, cause we've got even things like esports and stuff like, like a lot of people I know mm. that do sport and do regular exercise. Um, even if it's just things like yoga, I say even, I mean, yoga is really, um, beneficial, but, um, uh, like Kieran Ball with the boxing and stuff. And yeah. it's, it's, yeah, you can just see what, since I started doing these things and I'd say the same for you, like you, you've become more aware of, um, just everything in general. You just become a what much it means more, to be a human being. Oh well, yeah. It, it is, it is these holistic ideas of, of what it means to be a person really. Because um, I mean that I think that's always been an intrinsic part of sport. You know, I know I know that people didn't really see that in the sort of uh, 1600s to 1800s. Really, that sport wasn't part of high culture, as it were. It's you know preserving things like opera. But I think if you're doing sport right, you are um, almost doing an intellectual pursuit. You're certainly doing a moral pursuit because I think um, sport teaches us a lot of things about uh rules and i mean cheat apart from that fucking game you you mentioned with the pig like it's pretty <laughs> like most of the people just get away with anything there i mean yeah. someone, someone could have died you know from the, from village football you know about two weeks later or something from being you know, trampled on face down in a muddy puddle and you know, got treble pneumonia or something but yeah yeah but yeah, yeah most of them most of them have rules like yeah, within, uh, within within reason, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's a good point that uh, Pitts reminded me of, and it was, I think it was this idea that it allows countries to play out hostilities. So let's say World War Two has ended, yeah. it allows them to sort of amicably, um, so the UK and uh, Germany to to play out those rivalries in a much more peaceful, yeah, it's a, within a much more controlled environments, yeah. effectively. And, um, you know, it brings communities together, it often builds bridges, it can be very sort of divisive. Yeah, we you... have seen kind of uh, racial tensions in certain uh, football matches recently have been, uh, unfortunately, come to light recently. But in the whole, you know, the, the positives outweigh the, the negatives. You know, we've seen very much certain sports, particularly the international theme sports, you know, where... Yeah, quite often diplomacy yeah, can be achieved I, in, 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 on the playing field. Yeah, because I think when it comes to international sports, there's much less rivalry in that in that sense. I, well, I mean that there are certain countries that do actually fucking hate each other mm. um, and have that very xenophobic idea of you are in that country, so therefore I hate you. But that I think to do that on such a scale is a lot harder, usually. I mean... Yeah. I think since, especially we live in a pretty multicultural country, so some of that like anti-French stuff, you probably would have heard from your granddad yeah. and anti-Scottish. You don't really hear it anymore because yeah. people are starting to realise what that doesn't work. But you do hear the local stuff and I do hear that still. Um, you know, like... Neighbouring villages and, and Yeah, yeah it's, it's like upper lower Brookfield. I'll, I'll, never, I'll never forget. I let him a loaf of bread in 1975 and he, he never turned it back. He didn't. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you hear well, a lot I've held a grudge ever since, mine. Um, but yeah, so I, I think, I think it can help a country in that sense. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've, I've been having some bad experiences lately, though, with that with that kind of crap working behind a bar. Mm. One of the not the pub I work at, the other one. Yeah, right. that one. Uh, they had a, a bunch of football lads come in. Lads and. Um, they were up on the balconies. Like these, these parts of the pub are closed off. You can't yeah. get there. They were they had climbed over. They were chucking bottles from from the from the top, and uh, you know the riot police had to come in. It's just uh, that side of sport. I, I mean, that's not really. I don't know. I mean, it's be interesting to. Yeah. Is that is this a part of sport or is this something no, separate? It's unfortunate byproduct sometimes. Um, yeah, think it's this, this is what unfortunately puts a lot of people off sport. It's sometimes not even the sport physically itself. Mm. Um, although it's much more you know physical and confrontational their nature than other sports and games, but it's sometimes it's the culture that comes with a with a particular sport that can put people off as as well. Yeah, I've never really liked the culture, and I, and and that especially I mean no one really likes that kind of stuff. It's that crowd mentality. I think I don't yeah. think anyone unless you're in like literally in Green Street, yeah, film with <laughs> Elijah Wood. Like I don't think anyone likes. It. I think it's more of a thing that takes over people in the moment. I don't yeah. think people go, well, I mean, the, the core groups that start all that shit do, but I, I think it's more of a, I don't know. Yeah. It gives, it gives I'd like a to sense of anyway. identity. Yeah. yeah. Part of a, part of a tribe. That, that, a yes. Common goal to work towards. This is the thing, the idea of identity. And I've never, I can't identify with a footballer from God knows where, a, diff, a completely different city. I mean, I don't identify with the people in my own city and i think i think mm. this is uh, obviously a wider problem sort of yeah society becoming more plural um less unification you know we don't, we don't all believe in the same ideals the same god things like that um but i think i don't know i i've just i've just never resonated with a sportsman who's claimed to represent me as like how do you represent me it, yeah. it, it just but i i can kind of get on board with watching uh, a great tennis player just because it's a, it's a nice it's an individual skill effectively. yeah just the kind of the art of the the game itself yeah you know? and f- kind of from that way i can get into it and i can cheer and i can you know really yeah i think part of it is the atmosphere as well and i don't, I don't really put myself in that atmosphere no. enough to appreciate no, it no I've, I've actually you know we do not need to be as you know partisan as, as we are quite often sometimes. I mean, you wouldn't see that in a game like Tiddly Winks or something with Joy. <laughs> Come on! People just blokes banging on the desk. Yeah. Uh, well, Finish him! Do you know what? Yeah, and when you say it's a byproduct, oh, referee. I, yeah. I will agree because I think it is just certain sports, isn't it, that, that it's just been attached to. I don't know what it is about those sports, though. Mm. You don't, you kind of get it with rugby, but you don't. It's more. It is essentially just football. It just involves it involves more people. A lot of these sports, quite often. What, why um, do you think football has such a wide appeal? Um, it's it's just it's just a well known it's a well known game. Um, ultimately, I mean, if I, I was reading to this earlier today, and apparently, out of well, an update on the supposed population of this planet now, but about three and a half billion people uh, are subscribed to football in some way. Globally, so roughly, you know, just an approximation here, that's about half of the world's population is interested in soccer association football in that way. Yeah. It's far outstrips any other sport. You see, I looked at others in the top 10 as second, second overall. Yeah, as I'm constantly reminded, it's a universal language. Yeah. And it is, it really is. Um, it's nice to see something uniting everyone. Yeah. I kind of, part of me kind of wishes it was 
you know, more things could unite. It's not just that, but it, it is nice. And it, it's not, it's relatively harmless thing in itself to, to, for people to, I mean, it's a great thing in itself mm. for people to be, to be interested in. What about this idea of like role models to providing? Yes. I'm, you know, I'd, I'm very I, much vouch for that as well, because um, again, in the kind of, you know, we'll go back to the theme of kind of the, the classic, Olympic athletes, you know, idolized in that way. Um, people do see a lot of these sportsmen or women as idols. You know, they are necessarily not physically part of their upbringing, but part of the, you know, kind of their transitional phase from, uh, or from childhood through adolescence. You could be watching the same sportsman or team in your adult years. And uh, particularly due to kind of, the working world today where some people have, you know, very, very, you know, consistent contact with uh, parents, you know, seen as a classic role models, but some are less in contact with parents than others. And quite often you, you find you've got more access to your favourite sportsmen. The access thing's good, yeah. Um, especially with like social media and stuff. Mm. And they're always on the TV. It's like, and you can, uh, not just that, you, but like there are magazines for this shit. You remember yeah. like uh, football stickers and stuff like that. Yeah. And you always see the sportsmen in a, uh, I suppose when you get older, you kind of sort of realise there are, there's other side to it as well. That, you know, sort of newspapers and the media, you know, will, won't discuss until you kind of, in your, in your older years. But you, you always see them in, in a proactive light as well. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're radiant, you know, they're, they're a bold athlete. They, you know, they're always, um, they're proactively doing something in front of your eyes. Yeah, whereas it's the in, way in, they're marketed. In, yeah. in real life, you know, it's, life isn't always as dramatic as, well, so, as yeah, that. So here's, that's why here's people a, here's the thing, and I'm, franchised. I'm, I may have mentioned this last time, but I I think that a role model isn't necessarily someone you want to copy. And I don't, I really dislike this idea that people have to be sort of paragons of virtue, um, you know, just because they play sport particularly well, I think they can be role models within their particular sport. And what I think is uh, really kind of interesting, you mentioned like broken families and stuff, um, but what what I think really captures people's imaginations is this the whole success story element. So I think when people are pretty impoverished, they can see a sportsman um, who's especially if they were they grew up poor as well, yeah. and that's where the role model stuff for me. Um, I think that's where it's most powerful, and because it, it shows you that society or the people in society can transform, and that people yeah. can. It shows you there are other ways of doing stuff and other ways to be I valued. Could do that that could be me. Yeah, yeah. and it, but outside of money, they have a worth anyway. I mean, they're usually filthy rich, but it doesn't necessarily matter because they're, they're also doing a thing they love uh, yeah okay there's fame as well but I, the the optimist in me kind of sees this as well people see this uh great person as having a value uh that isn't to do with money that's to do with you know they're they're successful in lots of other ways other than you know they're a banker or whatever so it means that you don't necessarily have to be rich to get to that it's yeah it's kind of something they can aspire to too but then i also don't like this idea of oh, a role model is someone who you can be yeah um and i don't think we always have to be copying role models i think role models in a more nuanced sense are just they're they're their own kind of yeah they they they, they, they have a role kind. you know they just have a role in our lives to mm. show us certain things usually it, it's um imparting some kind of lesson but it doesn't mean they're teaching you a lesson it so 
one of the, uh, this is a bit of a tangent, but one of the examples I like is um, a guy who was doing a talk for the humanist group we used to run. I think he, he mentioned this idea. He had a, a teacher who would stand in the hallway and just wait for kids to run along. Yeah. Because loads of teachers would shout or like run after kids and be like, don't run. But this guy, just big, massive rugby player guy, just fucking stood on the corner. So as they came around, you just smack into him. So right there, it's like, they don't want to be that guy, but this guy is just in their life, imposing this, uh, you know, playing a role Mm. and teaching them something in the process or making them learn something rather. He's not like actively teaching them. He's not sitting them in a classroom or anything. Um, but yeah, I, I prefer that element because it's it's very hard to to teach people what a, um, what a, a moral is. It's like when you try and teach people fables or morals, it it doesn't always work. So I think it's best to just have that. It's giving them a a real a real life lesson. Yeah, there. exactly. Pre- if anything, he's sort of um, uh, indirectly he's preparing them. He probably see that as he is preparing them for what they will face in the working world, perhaps. As yeah, well, it's, or it's, in the streets when they're older. Yeah, it's just a nice little. F- um, rather than trying to be their mate or something, which yeah. quite often people try and always do. You don't necessarily, yeah, need to do that. In fact, it's quite what was the old saying that um, particularly um, not just you know athletes in general, but famous, you know, celebrated people. You shouldn't always meet your hero. No, and often, yeah, so had that, bad experiences with that before. And I definitely mentioned this last time, but there was that guy who he was. I think he was a manager of a team. This is a big story a while ago, and some he was like getting a KFC or some shit, and. Uh, the car opposite him was like filming him and he spat at them and everyone was like yeah. oh he's he's let everyone down he's a role model no he's not a role model he just he just does a, he's just this guy who was really pissed off okay he shouldn't have spat he shouldn't have spat pretty, pretty, he, just, he, he had he had a understandably human reaction in a heated moment of confrontation oh yeah, yeah. Um, so I just, I just offered Zach a cider that was what that was yeah currently he likes a cider I do yeah. Um, yeah, it's in, in the heat of the moment, you could kind of see kind of both sides of the story. But in hindsight, you know, it's all very well for us to all be wise after the event. He shouldn't have done it. Yeah. We'll see that, why he did it in the moment. I but think, yeah. bearing in mind his position, you know, he's portrayed well, himself in a bad light. But yeah, what, so, does he need to impress everybody? Exactly. I, well, I don't think this the, the idea of just having a high profile job in the media it means you have to be. Uh, somebody that people necessarily look up to in a moral sense. Mm. I think. I mean, I like the fact that the media pressures everyone to be, um, you know, on on the on their best all the time. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, he's not someone that, especially younger people, should try and copy. Like no. he does. He does. Like that's that's a very hard thing to be. Anyway, that's like I think teachers need to do that, and that's what makes their job incredibly difficult. Um, but like, I, I don't think that many people do. It's like when people talk about films, uh, Wonder Woman was supposedly this, uh, you know, now Wonder Woman is a role model. In, you know, in a physical capacity or it's just a, she's just a know, woman. Like, I don't know. This is, what, or... this is what I mean. It's like, you can't be Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman doesn't really teach. It's just a film. Like, I don't. She, yeah, she ain't kind of really real, is she? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, we just we just chuck the word role model on everything. It's like, well, what? First of all, what yeah, are we saying? It about, is, is overly used. But um, in the respect I mentioned, uh, it is the the, um, the 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 money aspect, um, socio economic stuff. That I think that that's where sportsmen 
come into their own and and are really our role models because they, mm. they show us that first of all it's not all about money but also if you don't happen to have a lot of money it it doesn't yeah you you can you can transcend that there are different there are always alternatives there are always paths and it shows people that it's good to have a craft a, a skill or it's something you can yeah. you can do that isn't you know some people just appreciate um sportsman athletes because they have kind of almost reached the pinnacle of what is almost technically possible you know it's kind of like saying scientifically possible or with you kind of human you know, abilities but also it's there's an art to it as well yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a performance as well. Yeah. Um, Some things you can't like quantitatively describe on how well someone's particularly playing in a certain uh, game or sport. You just, well, it, you yeah. just know that what you like, you see ultimately. Particularly in the modern Olympics, a lot of that stuff is, is spectatory. It's a spectacle. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, just checking the, uh, yeah, it's recording this yeah. time um, yeah we, we've got we've, we've got ptsd from this because <laughs> if we find out that this, this is actually not mic number two that i'm speaking into and so we've accidentally plugged it into a cucumber or something <laughs> you know this this would uh yeah of course probably wake up screaming in the middle of the night so uh so so in terms of the kind of where sport sits in philosophy now it's only really in the sixties that people started to do some serious work into it. And honestly, I was, I was Googling for this kind of stuff, looking at um, papers and things. There's yeah. not that much available on the philosophy of sport in general. Uh, no. Something I, I never really came across. Um, I think that's, that's, that's a twofold problem really. I mean, I've talked before about um, academia and how it just kind of wraps up knowledge and keeps it, locked away in its ivory tower and it's like who the fuck is that for you know there are all these papers that never get read and also um it very weird thing um so it's kind of a a contractual obligation for people who are academics to contribute papers yeah so um they have to contribute these papers they don't get paid now Mm. if you want to read their papers you have to pay if you're not already in the academic system yeah so that's just like free money for the for these for these places that uh, store all these online journals yeah um it's really bizarre and it, it you know that's that's to me that kind of stuff is everything wrong with academia yeah. I, um i think Middle on the other man takes the big cut exactly it's so it yeah it's commercialized and also it's it's just sort of stuck doing nothing practical but then also i kind of think it's it's also sportsmen and women it's on them and sports organizations to promote a wider idea of how sport can contribute to culture and society. I think they do a relatively good job of it already. Um, I never, I never came across it until um, way after I'd left school, really. I I never really, I think maybe one of the PE teachers might might have said something about the history of the, you know, the javelin as we were lobbing it at each other. It was because we were throwing the javelin at each other rather than intended target, which was out in the field whilst we were spearing each other. Well, that's just a fact, isn't it? It You know, it was basically just the favourites. Yeah. Especially rugby. It's like, why am I doing this? It's for freezing my tits off here. I'm, I, there's, no, there's no sense. I've, I've I've calculated the risk reward element in my head, and I've worked out that there is a twenty percent chance that I'll get hypothermia at this January rugby session. You're more thinking all this, a massive guy just nails you into a wet muddy puddle anyway. So. Yeah, it's like I could, I could be doing actual work, or I could be like 
having fun like <laughs> down the pool club or something like, i don't you know i don't want to yeah. be have my fucking i don't want to be out in the frost and yeah. the dew like skidding around in the mud with, with a stud through my hand Absolutely. what's what what is the point of sport and you mentioned the kind of the philosophy of sports classically um i mean you, you've been looking into this more than me in terms of the classic philosophy of sport and you've um come up not too much um it really you do have to kind of look to modern answers really I mean, in the last decade or so, I'll probably extend this to about 20 years, there's been a lot more research into sports science, science and sports through quantitative and quantitative. Yeah, that's, that's a big thing at the moment. Yeah, yeah sports lots science. Of, lots of products, um, performance uh, analysis. Now that we've become, become more computerised since the turn of millennia, we can kind of track data on performance output as well. Um sports itself, um, it, it apparently does have a definition there's a definition there is. that I found somewhere and it's not just, you know, a, a couple of websites singing from the he- same hymn sheet here. It's, it looks like an accepted definition by the Oxford English dictionary here. Okay. Let's hear um, it. Sport noun, an activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team competes against another or others for entertainment. You could probably, I guess, without replace maybe exertion, physical exertion and skill with possibly and or, I'd probably say that's was to amend that. Do you really. know what? That's that's a good amendment, yeah. Um yeah, skill definitely. Yeah, physical exertion, I no, because uh, I, I mean, mean mental exertion. Because yeah, that kind of does throw esports out of the Yeah, it throws esports, it throws your typical kind of uh, pub sports as well any kind of games ultimately things like you know classic snooker darts Although, chess people have that kind of this age old debate is chucking a dartboard you know really does that count as sport but yeah I, I think classically it would have been uh, called a game rather than a sport as mm. you know because I, I don't think mm, yeah actually kind of call, calling dominoes a sport is a little bit I don't know yeah, based on based on the research into sports, it really kind of the and again kind of the, the philosophy. What's the rationale behind it today? It you know there's been a lot of research to suggest that if not you know improving your lean muscle mass or helping you to kind of regulate your weight or hormones through kind of fat loss as such, um, it can improve your bone density. That's on the physical side, um, your aerobic capacity as well. Mentally, it has been proven to increase cognitive function. I think yeah. there's a there's a there's more kind of a United Kingdom guideline here of the chief medical officer that advises you have 150 minutes of um, moderate intensive act you know, exercise per week as such, and this yeah. can improve the grey matter in your brain as such, increase cognitive function, reflexes as well, but also uh delay the onset or sometimes prevent uh, dementia for example There's a lot yeah. of research into that well yeah i i've i've um i used to, i used to hike as you know you used to come on a lot of them like well, you can. a lot of um like long walks in the woods and hills near where we grew up mm-hmm. um since i started working especially because i i mean I, I suffer with attention deficit disorder mm-hmm. so um not doing exercise really makes that a lot worse. Yeah. Um, but it, even, even just, uh, you know, working in a fast paced bar, suddenly my brain's a lot more switched on, especially if I'm doing a lot of, you know, leaning yeah. down, lifting, um, like literally running around. If it's, if it gets the busier, it gets the more alert I am. Um, 
Yeah. And it, it, it's, it, it's because it's all because of that physical exertion. Cause I, I could be mentally busy and not, and still have that problem, but it's, um, after, you know, it, and I have, I have been like, I've done a few runs and things and especially when I go for a walk, the, the time after that, I'm a, just a lot more, all that brain fog is just yeah a lot clearer at least. Quite often I find if I need sort of clear points in making decisions, um, He's a very like non-scientific term here, brain fart, for example. <laughs> if I have more of those on day, okay, maybe I've rested myself physically on the day mm. when I'm not training, but I've not really achieved anything during that day itself. I'm more likely to make, you know, very you know, lackadaisical decisions. And, and there's no yeah. kind of almost so, you know, rationale or logic to any decisions that I make, you know, lack of coordination sets in lack of strategic planning, you know, just forgetting things, dropping mm. things on the floor. I find I do more of that, on, you know, on a, on a day where I've rested because I haven't trained my brain to do anything that day. I'm not kind of, I don't have any momentum. You know, I've not woken up my kind of neurological. Yeah. And it's, it, the stuff at jogging is just a great cure for anxiety and stuff as well. It's, you know, gets yeah. you, gets you doing something. Absolutely. And yeah, apparently the, you mentioned walking as such, that is still the most subscribed activity in the, in the country as well. Uh, at the moment, um, according to Sport England, uh, 60, around six, to the nearest whole integer here, 62% of us are described as physically active in some way, falling under that kind of definition of the 150 hour, uh, 150 minutes minimum quota per week. Um, well, just over a quarter are completely physically inactive and of which walking is the most, yeah, subscribed activity. Fair enough. And then football behind that, I believe. All right, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I was going to ask, did any of these sort of wider philosophy ideas, because I mentioned I have this problem with philosophy, not, really taking sport very seriously until the sixties. And then even, even then, like I couldn't, I mean, it's not something that comes up in a philosophy degree or a master's or anything. It's, it's, mm. it's something you have to track down. Uh, you have to do a lot of hunting to find. And I mean, the philosophy of sport, just, just to clarify what that might look like. It's not just like, I mean, obviously there have been philosophers that have written on subjects like competition and uh, communal aspects and things like that and you know, gatherings and spectate spectacles but um it, it's also it, it's looking at sport and what it does for society uh partially but also looking at its its very unique ethical context the, the sense of fair play and things is pretty much uh exclusive to sport and i think these are all very good ideas but it's also i think philosophy is also something that's lived um it's not just something that's sat about and talked and i, and I think it's also the the uh, the purview of um, sports people to promote thinking as well. So did yeah. you find, have you f- come across any sort of ideas about what it means to be an athlete or ever any, any, any sort of intellectual stuff or, I mean, not necessarily intellectual, but uh, sort of more sort of like classically seen as kind of academic. Yeah. Well, like just, thesis, really. you know, uh, the whole sense of why you do this and whatever, is that ever, does that come mm. up a lot on the track? Um, people do, occasionally sort of justify you know yeah. why they're doing it a lot of people you know do it just you know for this kind of the reasons we've discussed before kind of improved you know their mes- mental physical well-being but beyond that a lot of people really tend not to kind of just 
justify or kind of critically analyze why yeah. you're doing it really in a way yeah. you know, is it because i'm good at it i mean often there is a lot of people do specialize in certain disciplines because let's be honest they're quite good at it yeah and it's i mean it's nice you know, to do things you're good confidence. At. there's no point you know yeah although we always we always like an underdog as such if you're if you're coming last in something every single <laughs> time it's probably not for you yeah. if, if you've been if you've been doing it for sort of 10 20 30 years but you know, it doesn't mean you necessarily have you know don't enjoy that. Not like the challenge, but yeah, some people it's uh, just because they they like doing it. Sometimes because uh, maybe not peer pressure, but their friends or family. Often it, the it, the amount of times that I will see people who follow a similar other career path or sport, basically because their friends or their parents did it ultimately. Mm. So it's always kind of the power suggestion. They're going to be brought up in that environment. Yeah. So they're more likely to to get involved there and build confidence. Because it so, seems yeah. like if you just wanted to exercise, you you just do a couple of push-ups and go for a run. Mm. But it seems to me that they, they kind of want something else out of it. It'd be nice to see more um, sort of, I guess, amateur athletes and, and uh, semi-professional athletes have that discussion. Um, I think, I think it's fairly self-evident in some respects what, what sport does on a yeah. on a very surface level and, and it's and I, I would to be honest I say it's self-evident but I would have benefited from hearing this when I was growing up because it's like literally why am I here mm. on this rugby pitch it, so I think it if, if somebody told me like yeah right all these chavs are going to fucking try and stamp on you <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's there are reasons why it's important to probably get a little bit stamped on you know yeah. it, um, to face that and to, you know, it's it's not so much about. I mean, it, it, probably in my context, it was, it was a little <laughs> imagine, bit. Imagine, imagine teachers endorsing that on, yeah, yeah. A, on the curriculum. Probably, yeah, you should probably get stamped on, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I know. I, I think um, some of these ideas about pushing yourself, um, you know, you don't need to get full fucking intellectual. And it's just, it's literally just about pushing yourself, disciplining yourself, knowing your limits, knowing uh, what you can do, but also kind of testing each other inquiring to each other like what are you what are you what are you made of like let's you know, let's have a go let's see how good you are at this um, and and learning that the way to compete with each other healthily it's just learning how to be a person it's it in its uh in its entirety so i think it, you know when you phrase sport like that it's like well why wouldn't why would anyone not want to do sport i think you know there, there are signs to sport that that definitely are toxic hooliganism and stuff and, and um, you know, a lot of bravado and stuff. But then when you, when you really get down to it, I think sport can, uh, can really provide. Yeah. It just takes people a while to kind of discover something they like quite often as well. Um, there's lots of people, you know, that some people just want to be the best. Some people are kind of on a, you know, a personal journey, shall we say, to find within their own limits. Yeah, you know, that's personally the, the angle that I take. You know, I want to find out how fast I can sprint a quarter of a mile around a track. I'm not particularly interested whether I come um, first or last in a race. And a lot of people say, "Oh no, come on, Zach, of course you fucking do. you want to win a race." Yes, but I would rather finished in finish in last place and get a personal best. Yeah, kind of a long term investment than run against not being too mean some some people that really kind of very young or maybe undeveloped or kind of very old guy with one leg yeah you, want, you know sort of you know and, and win the race but run a time that i know that i'm 
you know, cap- I'm capable of running much faster. Yeah. And, I, and I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, absolutely. I think, absolutely. yeah, I've, I've heard you say that before. And that's, I think that's, that to me is the essence of sport really. Um, mm. you, yeah, you were saying, um, certain sports are not included. Um, mind sports. So go the, yeah, yeah. That the, 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 the game we talked about in the AI episode, um, that's not permitted by the sport accord or the European council. So that's, yeah, that's actually something. Yeah. It's just excluding all these mind things seems, seems because that whole idea of, um, Oh, I mean what you just said, you could do that in go, like you can do that in these mind games, but, uh, just seems very strange that our conceptualization of sport is this is this physical thing. Because when I think about it, I say I say I didn't like sport growing up. I I loved dodgeball. I loved uh, golf. I loved tennis. I loved badminton. I love. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, hike. I, I don't. I think. I think hiking is, is essentially it's exercise, but I think it is is also a sport in the sense you're challenging yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that's omitted from the definition that you threw up, really, because I think it's mm-hmm. it. You know can be personal challenge as well as competition in general. I mean, outdating a lot of sports, in fact, it's kind of the, uh, you know, kind of, um, you know, mo- modern sports themselves, uh, if we, well, beaten to it by hunting for sport, is an old saying. Yeah. Quite often, and, you know, hunting for sport, shooting, that's not often a you know very physical exertion as such. Pointing and shooting a gun isn't required. You know, no, a lot of it elevated is heart rate is sitting, such. sitting and waiting, it's lowering your heart rate so you can aim properly as well. Absolutely, like, yeah, relaxing. So for any kind of like you know postmodernists in a way that kind of you know very uh, you know snobbing dismissive of a kind of a classic game or sport, they should probably look to uh, older definitions really. So, um, so you, yeah, I, I think, I think a lot, everything should qualify. You know, a lot of people are very traditional. They like to, people like to categorize things, you know, you, this cannot qualify as a sport, but often it's for kind of emotional, logical reasons. They shouldn't qualify as a sport because it's not the sport I do. And I don't like it very much. Yeah. It's pretty poor rationale. It, it's just as poor as saying that something should be physical. And I, yeah, I almost want to say that I think, I mean, I don't, I don't quite want to say this because then it would make the term sport literally meaningless. But I think that at the very least, you can take the best parts of why you do sport and apply them to everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of pushing yourself and challenging yourself, competing even in a, in a very healthy sense. Um, I think you can apply that to to everyday life, how you approach tasks and challenges and where you think you're heading, your friendships, things like that. And I, I think, I think sport can, I think philosophy can inform sport and sport can inform philosophy. And I think if you're doing both of them right, uh, you're doing both simultaneously, I think. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's then kind of um, facetiously kind of push the boundaries here of, okay, so what what can not qualify as a sport, even in a kind of a loose definition? So let's say if I was to um, crack open a bottle of cider and drink it on my own, <laughs> that, yeah, okay, that's, that's, that that wouldn't be seen as a sport. However, if I was to race you in a competition to see who could drink their drink the fastest, then that would be under kind of any definition. Really, competitive drinking, just by nature, it's a competition. Yeah. Okay. I think 
Does it need to be a regulatory board as such? The or? problem is, I think no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. But I would say, with that definition, with that example, it's like it's a bit too degenerate. So it's kind of it kind of it's the opposite of sport. It's like making yourself unhealthy. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there we go. I, so I think sport needs to improve you as a person. Yeah. I guess, yeah, because even if they would take sort of the, your classic lazy sports um, as such, they they, they, do, still, they still require yeah. you to kind of concentrate in some kind of way and not just be, I guess, a consumer as such. You are kind of, you are kind of You're providing, proactive, yeah. providing entertainment or service in a competitive environment that's kind of, yeah, not, yeah, exactly causing you to kind of degenerate and yeah. kind of... Well, I mean, we'll get, we'll get onto that in the next few, uh, few episodes because we'll have people talking about esports and we'll talk about boxing and we'll get into mm. into more sports so um we've been two beers until phrenesis smash that like button no i'm not gonna do that right uh, <laughs> uh yeah cheers did it record did it record connor <laughs>